campus of Reichman University. The Baseline. Stories from the court with Jonathan Rears and Mayor Cohen. What's up, guys? I'm Mayor Cohen. I'm here with John Rears. Hey, yo. We're about to bring you The Baseline. It's our series all about basketball here at Audioversity. We've got some great interviews lined up, and we really are looking forward to sharing their stories with you guys. We're going to have amazing players and coaches coming and talking to us from America, all across Europe, and, of course, Israel. It's another week here, and we just had an amazing interview with Maurice. It was a blast, super funny. I hope you guys enjoy. We are here, episode three, here at the Baseline. I want to welcome on a very special guest, Maurice Kemp. Thanks for coming out here. Appreciate you. All right, Maurice. So uh, we we looked, we did some research. We saw you had one long basketball career all over the place. Um, so a little bit about Maurice. He started his basketball career playing JUCO, right? Mm-hmm. Then uh, played uh, at Miami Dade that JUCO ball. Mm-hmm. Then he went to Alabama A and M, transferred to ECU. ECU. We were just talking about that. Yep. Um, and then you started playing in Hungary. Mm-hmm. You went to the D League. Yeah. Now it's the G League. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then you played in Greece, Estonia, Argentina, Spain, in the Latvian League. And after Latvia, you went to Puerto Rico for a year. Crazy. And then you came here. And now you've been playing here for like two and a half That's years, a story. three years. Yeah, That's a story. It's, it's a winding journey. It's, it's, it's been a lot. Of, it's been marked by injuries, unfortunately. So, you know, I've been out nine years, but uh, I've only really played six seasons, six and a half seasons. So... I'm a veteran, but I feel like I have a lot, a lot left in me. A lot more growth. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I'm just happy to be healthy, man. It's a so blessing. the first thing I want to ask you is that you've been going so many different places, and from what it looks like, it seems that Israel has been the place where you've stayed the longest, mm-hmm. right? Is there, is there something about an extra comfort space here? Yeah, um, the, the two places were Argentina and Israel. Um, and yeah, you know, Israel's a special place. I don't have to tell you guys that. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I loved sure. it from the very beginning. And, uh, you know, I think uh, just the, the culture, you know, very family-oriented, um, right up my alley. You know, I come from a big family that meets and gathers all the time. So, you know, it feels very, it feels like home for me. I'm from Miami, so, you know, there's a lot of similarities yeah. between Herzliya, says Tel Aviv, and Miami. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah, man, it's just, it, it clicked right away. It's an easy adjustment for me, and... Like my second home now. Do you feel like the team, like Herzliya specifically, is like a more family-oriented team rather than the big other time. places you've been to? Yeah, big time. I uh, <laughs> definitely the most family-oriented team I I played with as a pro. Um, I started with Rishon. You know, great organization, um, but a uh, different feel for sure. More business. You know, I signed a two-month deal there. I left after the two months and mm. went to Herzliya, and it was just like a totally different feel. Wow. Very warm environment. Everyone's a big family there. And, uh, yeah, man, it's just it felt like it felt like home for me. So when it came to make a decision after last season on with whether I would resign or not, it really it took me less than a day to decide. Wow. You know, yeah, so I'm excited to be back. I think we have pretty much the same team. Like, we brought so many guys back. So, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to what the rest of the season has for us, for sure. A hundred percent. That's amazing. Yeah, like we were talking about before, just, um, for you know, for 
professional ball players who go all the way around all the world, mm-hmm. just you know, seeing the different leagues, experiencing it. <clears throat> we had our last guest actually talk about something similar about how here in Israel you get a much more family-oriented culture. You know, relationships with not only like players, but also you know people who work for the team, owners, and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It is more of a family-oriented thing. Yeah. But you know, of course, we want we want you to talk about it like you. First of all, so many different places. I want to know specifically about you know places like Argentina because I don't know so much about professional ball in Argentina. We had we've been talking about with athletes who have played in South Korea, have played all mm-hmm. over the place. So tell me a little bit about Argentina specifically. Um, when I played there, it's a bit different now. Um, but when I played there, just high level, high level league. You know, it had high level imports for sure. They had some great local talent. Um, Gabriel Deck is the one that stands out. He was in the NBA for some time with mm-hmm. KC, and he's been with Real Madrid for a few years. Wow. He was there. We've got uh, this guy, Rivero, Cuban guy. He's with Valencia now, EuroLeague. Mm-hmm. So when I was there, there were some high-level guys because, you know, at that time they were playing, they were paying pretty well. In, in oh, Argentina. in Argentina. Yeah, that's what got me over there. I'm not going to lie. But, uh, um, and, yeah, man, it's, uh, it gives you like a New York vibe. You know, just, I was in Buenos Aires, so oh, yeah. it's a big city. Huge. That's cool. Amazing. I was right by uh, River Plate, the huge soccer mm-hmm. team, you know, rival with Boca Juniors, which yeah, those are, historically, crazy. man, it's it's unreal on a, on a game day for, oh, for, I bet. for a football match. It's like nothing you've seen, like a parade every game. That's crazy. Yeah, it's fanatical. It's an understatement. But, yeah, man, it was a great experience. Like, I felt like I was in any big city, and the team took care of me. They, um... You know, just unlimited flights for my family. Made sure that awesome. that I felt great and was comfortable there. And yeah, man, it was it was a great experience. I felt like I felt at home there. And it was it was to the point where I had offers in Spain, ACB, first division Spain. And you know, I, I chose to stay in Argentina just because like they they took care of me so much. Unfortunately, second year of my contract. Uh, the economy crashed. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. That changed the yeah. whole year. Listen, the exchange rate was one to seventeen, Jeez. and overnight it went to like one to ninety. So my contract tripled in value to them, more than tripled in value. So it's like, you know, I understood why they needed to renegotiate. 100%. But you know, at the time, you know, that wasn't an option for me to take that much less money. Yeah. So it was it was painful. I did not want to leave. Wow. You know, I didn't want to part ways with them, but I ended up going to first division Spain. Um, halfway through that year because of the economy so going, going down. Wow. You played in the Champions League in the, on that Spain team, right? Yes. And yes. now you're playing on Herzliya. You guys have been mm-hmm. in the Champions League. Yeah. So what I noticed, I was checking how much points, how many points you're averaging, and it, now in Herzliya you're averaging almost double Yeah. playing yeah. in like Herzliya. Yeah. And like, um, what is it, four years difference? Mm-hmm. And you would think after four years that, you wouldn't double necessarily. Maybe yeah. you'd like go up a little. Maybe yeah. you'd even go down. But what what in those four years changed? Well, it's, with me, it's a couple of things. Like, not to give you a long winded answer, but um, when I first came out, when I went to Hungary, we did Euro Cup, um, another high level international competition. I was playing well there, but I fractured my leg. Oh wow! Yeah, like five months into my rookie season. So, and you know, being young and dumb. I tried to rush back for a summer league because I had some NBA interest and I wanted to prove myself there and right. get on the NBA roster. And I rushed the injury, ended up refracturing it. Oof. So I, I did like 19 months out Wow! for the rehab, man. And, you know, after being out that long, it's, 
you know, my coach told me however long you're out, it's going to take you that long to get back to 100%. And he was 1,000% right. So wow. yeah. it took me years to even feel close to 100% again. And, you know, when you're out that long, obviously NBA teams went away. Those those interests weren't yeah. there anymore. And my, my European offers were ridiculously low because I hadn't touched the ball. I hadn't touched the court in 19 months. So I kind of had to rebuild my career before it even started. So I, that's why I took this winding route to Estonia, right. Lebanon, Argentina, like just going places where I could make good money and, and kind of prove that I was healthy. So that's kind of coming into Spain. Um, I was just working my way back up from Argentina. Thankfully, you know, I led them in scoring for almost a season and a half, and I was able to prove that I was healthy again. And so the ACB offer came, the Champions League offer came. But when I joined that team, Spain and this is the thing about European basketball. Every country has um, a different way of doing things. Right. And uh, in Spain, the Americans or the imports usually don't play as much. You know, oh, you really, yeah. You know, you'll play like your eighteen to twenty-four minutes, and that's about it. They'll just stack a team with a bunch of talent, and you'll play your role and you'll play those minutes and whatever was, you produce, you produce. Was there a cap playing in Spain for international players? Because I know in the Israeli league, mm -hmm. you can only play like what is it, like four or five players? Yeah, yeah, for for sure. Um, in Spain, you can have four Americans registered, I believe. Um, in Israel. I believe it's it's the same. It might be five. I have to double check. Right. Four or five. But uh, for every competition, is different. We can play more Americans in Champions League and this and that. But but yeah. So my role on the Spanish team was different. You know, I was coming in middle of the year just trying to figure it out. Um, luckily, I was able to have a couple good champ Champions League games, a couple good uh, ACB games. But you know, just trying to work my way back. And now I'm in a place where I've been healthy for a few. I actually. I fractured my other leg after the ACB oh, season. Yeah, so wow. I had I had more in, NBA interest after like through that year, through Argentina, Spain year, and those, you know, that kind of got in the way of that. You know, yeah. I, I I did camp with Denver, but after that injury, it was after the second injury, I did uh, nine months rehab. Then COVID hit. Wow. So wow. another eighteen, sixteen months. Yeah, right sixteen months out. So, like I said, I, I've been out for a while, but it's been interrupted with injury. So now. To fast forward to Herzli, I'm really just feeling healthy again. That's, That's the biggest great. difference, man. Wow. Like I said, it's a blessing to be to be healthy, to be doing what I love after major injuries that could have really ended my career. Yeah, yeah, so let me ask you, like, what kept you going through that big injury? Because yeah. you're saying it could have ended your career. Like, oh, I'd say a lot of people probably would have ended right. their career there. We just saw Jonathan Isaac in the NBA. Mm -hmm. He hasn't yeah. played in three years. He hasn't hey, touched the floor. Hey, he's a great guy, too. I, I, I know some people that know him. Great guy. Christian guy. God-fearing man. I, I respect him a lot. And mm -hmm. his perseverance is inspiring. It's crazy. Very inspiring. 900 days, man. So And he's playing well. Playing well. He looks like he's in a good rhythm, so I'm happy for him. I don't even know him, but I've, I've been rooting for him from a distance. Um, But, yeah, man, those type of injuries, you know, I, I have a, a rod in both of my tibias. Oh, wow. Yeah, so you can imagine that surgery. You know, you can't – you kind of have to teach yourself how to walk again properly, run again properly. Uh, you, you can't walk for the first four months after that surgery. Wow. So, let alone run up and down the court, make Mental, cuts, mentally, try to dunk on, man. It, just, it might be like, I just, I'm thinking about that. That's probably so frustrating, yeah. like when you're on the court. Man, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, sports gives you a lot of learning experiences. And a lot of tools for life. And, uh, you know, when you have these expectations of the NBA and everything, and you, you feel your talent can get you there, but the injuries won't let you, 
that is a whole different level of frustration. Yeah, I'm sure. So I had to learn a lot. I had to, uh, you know, I relied on my faith, my family, and just keep going, man. You know, just keep pushing through it. And yeah, man, I'm I'm thankful to be at it still, man. It's it's been it's been a lot, but rewarding for sure. That's amazing. I mean, yeah, so I wanted to just talk about your time in all those leagues. I was, you know, I was curious about your experience in uh, in the D League, now the G League. So now, you know, we see what it is. People are getting paid to go play there. It's like you're pulling players from from college scene. A lot of players are playing there, like Jalen Green. Straight out of high school, too. Exactly. So you see a lot of that. So what was the experience like when you were playing there? Because that's 10 years ago now. I mean, that's completely different. Like, what was the league like? I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I'm so glad they made those changes. Really, it was super necessary, man. It, when I was there, it was it was ugly. Yeah, it was ugly, man. And and like I said, I I was out those 19 months, so I had just gotten cleared by my surgeon two weeks before I went to the G League. Okay, so, so after the 19 months, yeah, he he cleared. I got cleared by the surgeon. And then my agent was like, "Hey, um, a, a D League team is interested in you." just get your legs back under you see how it goes so i uh, you know i have been out so long and then i'm here with these nba prospects yeah exactly thrown into the fire man it was high level basketball very high you know you got guys that are have been in the nba or one step away they're all high level prospects Mm -hmm. so high level basketball but the salary didn't match yeah it was ugly man i'm talking like after they take the taxes out of that contract you're seeing like not much. Nah, eighteen hundred, two thousand. Wow, bro. Wow. Like, and they show you how much they take out with taxes, so you get this check back. You're like, this is not it. It's like, <laughs> I'm gonna go play in Argentina life, now, bro. And that's the thing, man. Like, I'm so glad they changed it because they were losing a lot of quality basketball players. Because how do you tell a guy that was all American in college, you know, maybe had a ten day here and there, you know, knows that he's NBA quality, to turn down a million dollars in China to take. 100 percent three thousand before taxes literally nothing man they were losing so many quality players and you know i did not resign there for that reason no that makes sense but like now you see that like the g league is a whole nother league now it's it's a separate thing it's different and And, like it's getting really fun to watch and and what you're seeing is a lot of those guys that were on the cusp of the nba they're not leaving to go to europe they're staying yeah they're 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 playing it. it out and you're raising the quality of the whole league because of it so it was a super necessary move. I'm glad they did it. They should have done it earlier. Yeah, for sure. But they're seeing how it's benefiting everyone now, like the G, the G League and the NBA. You know, it's it's helping. It's helping a lot. So who on that those those that time you did spend there? Did, were you playing with guys like what's a what's a name that you're playing with that was there that you know was in the NBA? Really, you know, oh um, made a name for himself yeah, there. Man, like just to show you how the G League works. Um, when I got off waivers. I actually surprisingly was playing well. Like I, I uh, was getting some minutes, you know, maybe 20, 25 minutes a game, averaging like 13, 14 off the bench. It was, it was going well. But then uh, the Cavs made some roster moves. I was with their G League team mm-hmm. and uh, charge, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And uh, I think it was for see. I told you how, how old I am. I think it was the moves for J.R. Smith. Oh wow! Guys, yeah, and Iman Shumpert. Yeah, that makes me feel old. But <laughs> oh, was that was they got traded from the Knicks? To I, the yeah, Cavs. I think it was that move. But anyway, their their draft pick for that year, Joe Harris, who happened to play small forward at my position at the time, oh, wow. moved down to the G League. That's so I was crazy. like, and I love Joe. Joe's a great You're guy. The ball with Joe, bro, bro, he, I love Joe. Great dude. But when I saw him come down, I was like, yeah, that's a wrap for my man. <laughs> 
<laughs> I haven't played in out. a year and a half. Like, and my oh coach my told me, he's like, yo, you played incredible after being out so long, but I have to give him 39 minutes <laughs> yeah, a game. It's like, it's like, you, man. like the, the calves would be on my head if I didn't. So I understood it is how it works. You know, it's the politics that you hear about in, in the NBA. It's real. So, like, you can't, you can't tell them not to play a guy that they're paying a couple million. Yeah not to develop him and play him as much as possible. Exactly. So, Do you feel like that system is different in Europe where it's like more about the effort you give and more about what you produce on the court rather I mean, than the politics? I mean, I can't even say that's political. That's just an investment on the NBA side. Mm -hmm. You know, They invested in Joe Harris, so they no, have yeah, to develop sure. him. You know, it sucks for me at the time playing his position, but that's the way it works. You know, um, The European side, I would say probably – probably less because there's less money involved you know right. like the nba you're dealing with you know the contracts now they're loads of de millions. real deal investments yeah, in these yeah. players so yeah i'm sure european side i would say is less but you know you have to pay your do your dues in europe also you know you have to work for certain opportunities and a lot of things have to line up for you to for you to get those opportunities so yeah it's it's a level of that i guess in any sport especially if you're more of a an unknown player like a, a mid-major guy or under the radar guy mm -hmm. for sure so is it the same about being coached under a European team rather than an NBA team? Like, you see a lot of NBA players, unfortunately. Like, I think that I see a lot of them talk back at coaches. <laughs> I don't know if that's the same in Europe. I don't know how it really works on the bench side. Uh, yeah. I know there's definitely language barriers. I could say on the European side, it probably just depends on each coach. Yeah. You know, like, and the player's relationship with each coach. Some Some coaches have that open dialogue with players like yo in the heat of the moment we can talk it out it might be it might be a heated discussion but we can we can talk it out and it's all good other coaches are more no nonsense you know they'll find a player for for getting in the heated discussion oh, wow. so i guess it just depends on the 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 um organization whichever european coach that is or what, what have you but on the nba side i think you're just getting a situation where the players have so much power now. so much yeah you know like they're making so much more than their coaches it's true. so much insane more. amount so how do you really keep a guy in, in how check and check or how do you coach a guy who can really take your job most of the time like right. he, can, he can get you out of there i think it's just a totally different dynamic that wasn't seen maybe 15 to 20 years ago in the nba uh -huh. where you know lebron kind of spearheaded it where the players really can control their own destiny right. can can really lobby in in their their own favor even yeah. even like general managers they can like go up to them and ask them for trades and whatnot yeah 100 percent. i was actually looking earlier david blatt you know who i was he coached makai tel aviv right for four years he goes to cleveland 2014 and 15 he's coaching them and then lebron's like you know this guy man he, i don't really like this guy he called to play for someone else he literally kicked david blatt off the team he hired ty lu and you know they want to chip the next year, but it's the politics go behind that. The players got From that David control. From David perspective, like it, that's great opportunity for him that he deserved. Um, yeah, but it's kind of like I don't want to say a, a lose lose, but if you don't win a title, it's considered a failure. And he took that team so far. Yeah, but he lost his job just because you know, like you said, LeBron. LeBron is the GM. Like, what are you going to tell him, honestly? <laughs> like, no, we don't agree with you. Like, nah, he's going to make it happen. So yeah, Send LeBron to the G League. Yeah, it's just the difference, man. The players in the NBA have a lot more control because they are the franchise. What yeah. about so it? what's it like in Herzliya now? Because you guys have some big-time players on your team mm -hmm. right now. And the coach, I don't think, is, like, the best English speaker, right? Yeah, so he's solid. He's, he's solid. solid. He actually played at FIU. 
Oh, really? Yeah, he, wow. played, he played D1 ball and down in South Florida, where I'm from. Yeah. That's cool. But yeah, so man. how's the connection between the players and the coach here? It's good, man. We're, we're like uh, that familiarity. You know, we we pretty much have the same team from last year, minus Chief, um, Chinato and Owaku. So, you know, it was uh, – we're all on the same page. There's no, like – Nothing is is uh is lost in translation. There's no learning curve. It's really just the same group cohesiveness that won the cup last year and made it to the finals. Mm -hmm. Just bringing us back. Unfortunately, like I told you when we we're off air, like injuries this year. You know, our starting yeah. point guard was out for seven weeks. So it's it's tough to win when you lose your point guard, as you guys know. Are you talking about Quentin? Quentin Hooker, he's yeah. tough. Yeah, like, Quentin's player, tough. Triple double at any time. So like, losing him was huge. And you yeah. know, the point guard is the most important. Exactly. Important player on the team. So we had to battle that. You know, we had Chris get banged up last week, missed mm -hmm. the Maccabi game in yeah. the cup. That was yeah. huge. You know, a winnable game for us. We beat them three weeks prior. For so, sure. you know, I think once everyone gets healthy, God willing, and gets in the rhythm again, like. Like we said, we've won five out of the last four. Mm -hmm. So I, I like to see where we could go this year. Right. I've noticed that, um, you know, they're moving you around position-wise here mm -hmm. in Leah. So yeah. for you, are you like, where are you most comfortable? You know, where you feel like you're affecting the core, you're affecting the game in the, you know, the most, the biggest way? It's funny because um, had you asked me this question maybe six years ago, small forward, uh -huh. without a doubt, like naturally that's my position. Um but the game has changed so much in the last 10 years. Positionless basketball. Man, and like, and to be honest, um, small ball took over. Like right. the Warriors, sure. Warriors changed the game with that, really. Well, they took it to another level, I should say. So I really, just one day I became a power forward. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes a center. Yeah, like a I stretch just, forward. I like. just became a stretch forward, sometimes moving me at the center, and it happened like overnight. Uh huh. So like, I would say now I'm more comfortable at the power forward spot. Um, the only problem with that is a lot of times, like, I like making plays with the ball. I like, I'm very, always in attack mode, always off the dribble. Um, so, and a lot of coaches in Europe aren't comfortable with their power forward playing that way. The ball, yeah. So there's a little bit of frustration where I have to try to convince my coach, like, I can make plays with the ball, just trust me. But they're more used to guards doing that. Yeah, so, for sure. I'm I'm like a guy that likes to dribble and make things happen, but at a position that usually doesn't do it. So power forward, but you know, I'm working with my coach. He he's starting to trust me more to make plays. I had six assists last game, so <laughs> I'm hoping that convinces him. Like okay, like, playmaker. Like, yeah, I'm hoping that convinces <laughs> him a little bit. But power forward is most comfortable. But as long as I'm on the court, I feel like I can make an impact. You know, I I pride myself in being good in a lot of different areas. I think that kind of was to my detriment as far as the NBA because, as you know, if you're not a top five pick in the NBA, you, you need to find a niche. Yeah, You yeah. have to be great at one thing, almost better than anyone at one thing. And my whole thing, my whole life was being well-rounded and being good in a lot of areas. So I think it was to my detriment as far as the NBA goes or getting to the NBA. But in Europe, it's helped me because I've been able to adjust to all different styles of play. Like in Spain, where I'm only playing like maybe 20, 25 minutes. Mm -hmm like not with the ball at all, but still making an impact or maybe on a team where they need me to be a defensive guy. I've been able to adjust to that on my on my team now where they need me to do more scoring. I can adjust to that. So it's helped me 
have longevity, being a little bit more well-rounded. And can adapt. Well, that's the number one thing a coach wants, right? Mm-hmm. Is an, an adaptable player. That, yeah, like, and that's it's allowed me to it's allowed them to have fun with our lineups. Yeah, just like play me wherever they're feeling that week. You ever get played as a two? No, nah, never. Um, it's kind of like. I just have to stay ready. You know, it could be a week where my coach is like, hey, you're going to start on this guy who's a, a shooting guard, but you're going to be at the three, or you're going to be at the four, but you're going to play the shooting guard on defense. So versatility, I think, has has helped me as far as longevity. And I like being able to do whatever my team needs me to do. You know, I try to take my ego out of it. So, yeah, I th- we've done that a lot this year. Um, just trying to keep my legs good, man, because these guys are quick. These, these guards are quick. And... You know, on the defensive side, I, I gotta I take pride in being able to stick with them. Do you think there's a change in uh, basketball culture culture now that like you've been around for like nine years, right? Mm-hmm. And you like in those nine years, basketball's changed a lot. So much. So like, do you see a difference in workouts for like per se, like yeah. how these young guys are working out now? I think, um, man, I uh, I don't want to take too much of your time, but I could go forever on this topic. <laughs> nah, how long like, you want, man? Like, um. So the short answer is for sure. Like you go back to like just a YouTube era. Like I was, what well, YouTube probably came out when I was maybe like what, 13, 14. But before then, the way I learned how to play basketball was really just watching older guys who like were- Like and one me. basketball? Yeah, maybe and <laughs> one or just anyone around my school. Like, oh, this guy's crossover is crazy. Let me try that on my own. Like, you yeah. know, but these kids, like they have these iPads, whatever. Like they have access to every- everything as far as media so unlimited yeah four or five year old watching steph curry shoot step backs they can literally try that at four or five Mm -hmm. and i think you're seeing the game develop even more because of social media because of really just technology you know these kids are watching high level athletes and training like them at an earlier age so the skill level with the game is going through the roof i think also like the it. trainers the trainers mm-hmm. that are training these they're kids in middle kids school they're getting to them younger. yeah i didn't have proper training like i i remember this kid named ezra diaz i'm gonna forever shout him out he was uh, a year older than me on my high school team a quick point guard just incredible ball handler i literally learned how to train from him just he would get the chair drills before and after school and just it was like follow the leader. Whatever he did, I did. But that was like my basketball training. Like I didn't wow. have a trainer. I didn't have some high level guy to put me through all these drills that I can apply. So these kids are getting I didn't get that until maybe the next year in, in AAU ball. So these kids are getting that type of high level NBA level training probably as early as they want it, as right. early as their parents are. And alive. I remember when I was in middle school, my coach was definitely telling me not to take any off the dribble threes. Now they're gonna be like they're gonna encourage it, man, it and just, that's like that's I'm young like I'm that's not that long. Just ago. shooting forty percent from there, just chuck them. Man, that's that's how that's the way the games change so much, man. Like, um, I remember when I was I keep saying that sounds so old <laughs> when I was coming up, like not that being a three point specialist was frowned upon because there was a need for it, but you needed to do other things. Mm-hmm, like right. you needed to be able to expand your game now. You could just shoot threes. Man, you don't have to be able to dribble and chew gum. Like, just if you can shoot it at 40 or higher, you're going to – Some somebody in the NBA is going to pay you most likely. Right. So it's like the game has completely changed. I think um, where my game is a lot more old school. I've always loved mid-range. I've always loved getting to my spots in the mid-range, going downhill, 
getting a like high high um high percentage shots right um now in the last nine years it's changed to just three oriented you know now i'm kind of like an old school player right yeah i was gonna ask i was gonna ask like you know obviously throughout your career what's the one thing that's been consistent for you in terms of your play and you i feel like you just said it that mid-range game and i loved it and i love it still in a lot of leagues i played in like the argentinas i love these off brand league or out of, outside of europe leagues like they need you to score you have to score in order to keep your job exactly and like if you if you study every high level score in history they've had that mid-range game to the the Look K- at Dirk. The, the Jordans, the the KDs, the Kobe. the Kobe's. You can go down the list. So I kind of I took that, and I kind of just focused my game around that. You know, like I got to put up twenty a night to keep my job. So exactly. let me just like craft this mid mid range game, which I which I loved already. And but now, as I've gone to Europe in my late, latter years, I'm like, man, they really don't want me dribbling this thing. They, <laughs> they really don't want me getting to my spots. Like, they want me to just sit in the corner and just stretch the floor. So it's been a big adjustment, man. That's, like, that's the biggest thing. Like, my, my teammates tell me all the time, like, bro, you're shooting, like, a, a 20-foot mid-range. Like, take one step <laughs> back and shoot a three. So That's the, I, that's the analytics to it. So. Man, I got I to gotta drill it. I got to get more used to it. And I, I told my coaches, like, I'm, I'm going to try to shoot two a game. You know, I, I went one for one last game. There you go. I just gotta, I just gotta, kind of change my I game went, and tell myself to do it. I went to the, uh, who are you guys playing? I think you guys were playing Cholon at home the other week, right? And, yeah, 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 yeah. And I saw, I was, I stayed around after the game, and I saw you come out, and you started shooting threes, like a bunch of threes after the game. After the game, yeah. Is that is that something that you're doing because of what you're talking about right now? Well, I'm, I'm a gym rat. You know what I mean, like. You have to be like with with everything I had going like the the gym is kind of like my my stress relief. So I'm always working on my game in the off season like like a maniac. So you know naturally if something doesn't feel right, something doesn't feel off, I'm going straight to the gym. I played like 34 minutes that game, but yeah. straight to the court right after because it didn't feel right. My jumper didn't feel right. My handle didn't feel as crisp as I needed it to. So I got to get it right. Like I'm I'm a little bit over the top with it sometimes like Quentin Hooker he he came up with his family after he showered and stretched and did an ice bath he's like bro why are you still here like get <laughs> off the court go rest you just play like 35 minutes but it's 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 how I am that's how I got through the injuries that's how I got back to a high like playing at a good level after not playing for so long is just locking myself in the gym Reps. so but yeah to to your point is a good observation like yeah I'm shooting I'm practicing my three-point shot more than I ever have because the game has changed the European game is centered around that at my position to stretch the floor and you know and shoot it you know a lot of times you're not going to have a coach that's comfortable with you um being off the dribble or making plays off the dribble at my position so yeah I have to I have to adapt with the game Right, I was going to ask because, as you said earlier, right, you're getting the NBA, you're a knockdown three-point shooter, someone's going to pay you. Do you feel like here, or really just the European game in general, the specialists, are? do they have less of a role, meaning everybody has to be more of an all-around basketball player in order to succeed here because the game is you know, less spacing and all that? Or do you feel like you know, if you're still a knockdown shooter, wherever you go, you're going to get that money, you're going to get paid, you're going to you know, be successful. But in Europe, with, you know, with the smaller court and with all that kind of stuff and a more physical game, you got to do more things in order to, you know, keep your position on the team. I'll say this. Um, shooting is at a premium worldwide. You know, it's 
it's uh the game has changed worldwide. It's it's just the NBA. It's more drastic with the spacing and with being able to hide guys defensively and. You know, you don't really – you've got guys who are the best scorers on the planet that are getting paid 30 mil a year. Mm-hmm. So you don't really need a bunch of guys that can make it happen off the bounce or do a lot of things. You need guys that can just plug in, play their minutes, and get out. Exactly. So that's where it's different. And in Europe, I would say it, you'll be hard-pressed to be able to get the minutes you want if you can only just shoot. Like, you have to be able to defend. You have yeah. to be able to – to not, style. to not be exposed because of the style of play. You know, Europe is very um, scouting-oriented, heavy defense, less spacing. Right. So you, you definitely have to be able to plug into the team defensively more than anything. And you have to be able to affect the game in different ways because a, a lot of coaches can shut down your strengths in Europe with the lack of spacing and with the um, – with just the scouting that goes into these leagues, you see the same teams a lot more. They get used to your mm-hmm. tendencies. And if you have a strength, the opposing coaches are going to right. have, be more effective at shutting it down. In we, we were talking about this the other week with Jason Siggers, um, how in Europe the game is a lot more analytical. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? I mean, in the NBA, they they use analytics different. They use They run the numbers for how their offense should be ran or how many threes they should take or yeah. you know they're using it now in a different way you saw it with the Houston Rockets maybe four or five right, years right, ago right, right. Man, they I weren't taking they, won any, that game they weren't taking any mid-range jump shots because <laughs> no. of the analytics it was threes or layups yeah you know so they're using it more in the NBA for that but in the in in Europe high level Europe Champions League Euro League Euro Cup especially scouting man you know you with the rules being set up how they are you, if you have a good a coach that's really good at, at breaking down film and really creative with how to take away a key player's strengths, it can get real difficult for 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 that for that player whoever they're keying on. So there, it's it's a lot more preparation that goes into the games because a lot of times you're playing a lot less games in the NBA. You have a full week a lot, especially in in winter league in Israel. You right. have a, a full week to prepare for right. a team. So if you have a good coach who's creative. He can take the key players. He can make life difficult on the key players on the other team. And, uh, you know, we've seen it a lot this year. Chris Babb is an incredible shooter. Yeah, he's really Incredible money. shooter, man. Like, one of the best I've seen. And, you know, I don't know if people noticed, but this year, and last year too, but more so this year, they've been keying on him, just trying to really take away his touches. You yeah, know, and, sure. and there's been some coaches that, you know, have made it tough on us. We've had to get creative on how to get him the ball. He's he's still playing well, still still being efficient. But, you know, we've had to get a bit more creative because of the, the preparation that coaches are putting into mm-hmm. kind of shutting them down, and it happens all over Europe. So it's something on, like, your guys' side. Let's say, like, the Cholon game. You guys are playing Joe Raglan, right? Mm-hmm. He's a wonderful player. Like, yeah. What's something that Great you guys player. do to stop him? Great player. You know, with with a guy like that, when you have a point guard – that um, can score at a high level, can pass it at a high level, who's very cerebral, high IQ, there's not too much you can do. You know what I mean? You yeah. can you can make it a little bit more difficult on him, but when he's on the ball all the time, he's controlling the pace, he's controlling his offense. It's, it's harder to shut down a point guard who can do so much. It's a little easier with a shooting guard um, because he's, he's usually not dominating the ball right. as much. With a point guard, you have to get creative. I'm not going to give away all our schemes, but you know, <laughs> just try to just try to crowd them as much as possible, make them a little bit uncomfortable if possible, 
and just throw a lot of bodies at him. Make the worst thing you could do with a player like that is let him be comfortable right. because his IQ is way too high, his passing ability is way too high. He will pick you apart. So, yeah, you just gotta try to try Tire to him out. make him a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. If you can throw different looks at him, switch up the looks so he's not seeing the same thing every time because. Any high-level point guard, if you throw the same looks at them for more than two minutes, they'll adapt. They'll adapt. They'll yeah. break that down. For yeah, sure. for sure. That's crazy. Yeah. I like kind of switching the topic a little bit. So we spoke to Jason right last week. We talked about all like different, you know, the, the fans aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So with you playing in so many different places, how do you feel like the the actual game environment here in Israel compares to some of the other places you've played? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Israeli fans are passionate, man. Yeah, very, they are. Very passionate. I have a lot of stories. I don't know how real I should get. No, you can <laughs> get real. Please, please do. We want to hear it. But, um, you know, I played in places where it's so crazy. I played in places where basketball is not the main sport. You know, uh-huh. it's kind of like yeah. an afterthought. So you'll, you'll go into to play and there'll be 200 people right i mean israelis fucking love playing basketball they love in certain countries like there's just not much support for basketball and then you go to a place like greece Mm -hmm. i remember man i'll never forget this my first european game in euro cup i was in hungary but we were playing a payok in greece Okay. And uh on the road away game bro my first game (laughs) away in euro cup full house <laughs> like we come out for warm-ups and it's already packed out with oh 30 minutes God. left on the clock before the game starts 30 minutes before it's the not game the charge starts, anymore right? man i wasn't there i was fresh out of college oh, so wow. I'm, like i came out of ecu like oh yeah like fans are crazy pirates, but, go you pirates. Know, but like not like say, that bro they're like jumping up like like you said like lighting lighting shit. candles oh like chants jumping up like the whole place is rocking Did you have and to like, take a free throw there bro the, yeah the, the <laughs> energy in a place when you got like nine to ten thousand people just oh chanting the same songs shaking the whole place they drop like they let off like a cherry bomb in the middle <laughs> of the game our players stopped playing like we're like what <laughs> their players didn't flinch bro is like unreal look when we walked out like right before the game started um, they had to escort us with riot shields. That's oh my crazy, God. bro. The 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 police wow. had to escort us with riot shields, and you, all you hear is like change just bouncing off the oh shields. My God. Bro, change batteries. We oh get to God. the bench, and they have a glass cover over the bench. I was like, oh, this wow. is different. I didn't no see this in college. Way. As soon as I sit down, I hear like things bouncing off the glass. I'm like, oh, that's why they're oh, trying to fuck. they're trying to literally concuss us. They're trying to <laughs> knock us out. So like, yeah, man, just fanatical. Like that was crazy. Um, Greece is one of those places, man, where they're just like like Israel, fanatical. It's like almost like a religion. It seems like in some of these <laughs> wow, in some of these insane. places, man. Like, um, Hapoel stands out here. Hulon, like, yeah. stands out. Hulon got crazy when I went to that game. They bring like their own bus of fans. Man. It's so like, different from from in the states. Like, yeah, it's just they love like that. they love basketball here, man. It's hard to explain to people back home, but it's like a different energy when you yeah. when you have fans that are that passionate and you're the visiting team. They hate you, know, you. man. They hate like you. legit, and like I'm gonna say this, and this is not an indictment on all the fans in Hulon, <laughs> but I gotta get on my chest. I almost went off on Twitter about it, but like. <laughs> But like, man, they take it a step too far sometimes. <laughs> like, I had shouting shit about bro, your family. Bro, all that stuff. I got spit on. Oh my god, really, bro? Oh my bro, god, like, <laughs> I mean, I, I'll throwing set the scene stuff. for you, and I'll send you the clip after. But um, I had shot a floater at the end of the at the end of the I think it was the end of the third quarter, like at the buzzer, just trying to get it before the 
the buzzer went off. I should have passed it to Andy. I'm sorry, Andy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Shout out. But yeah, but and I I just kept running. I ran under the basket. I was like, dang, I was thinking, man, I should have got it to him. Wasn't even thinking, but I was literally my momentum was carrying me right under Ooh. where the 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 most the craziest fans sit, like their little pit <laughs> or whatever, and they're elevated above the court. So I'm just like, dang, I should have passed it to Andy, whatever. And then I hear, I feel like. No I feel way. it hit me. Oh my god! And I'm like, bro, no way, no way. <laughs> and then I look up. Shocked. This motherfucker bro, just spit on bro, me. Literally, and I look up and there's this big dude with no shirt on, just like, yeah, like, <laughs> you like, like yeah, that? it was me type stuff. And I like, bro, no way, <laughs> no way. Like yeah, you spit on spit. me and then you looked at me dead in my face. Like I'm a calm guy. Like I'm, I'm like really chill. But that got me. I was living, like, man. Yeah, I, want, I asked him to meet me outside by the bus. He didn't, he didn't show up. Yeah, but, not surprised. Bro, man, like, but like I said, taking it too far. They they, no, they yeah. get caught up, man. Like, we don't go, it's my job. I don't go to work to get spit on. So Fish I was pissed true. about that. Um, didn't vent on Twitter. I'm, I'm thankful. There you go. That, that would have been a fine for me. But yeah, man, that's like, I respect I respect fans that are passionate for sure. Yeah. But, Does you know, it teach you a different way of dialing into the game? Oh, big time. You have to, like. And you learn it. You learn it in college. You know, mm -hmm. you'll go to places that are tough environments in college, for sure. Of course. So, you learn a few things as a young player not to read the posts, <laughs> mm. not to get on Twitter, yeah, especially yeah. after a tough game, and not to to you have to try to zone out when you're on the court because you know you can get easily distracted. You know, in college, you sure. have guys with their shirt off, yeah. speedos, yeah, and yeah, all yeah. that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, you see what you see it also. The the most effective players can really zone it out completely and just Definitely. lock in on the court. Was there was there any team throughout your career where the f the home fans, like your own home fans, mm -hmm. acted in like not respectful way towards you because of a mess up that you had on the court? Nah, thankfully I've been lucky. I've been lucky. Like the places I've been, the fans have been really respectful and it's like they just most places you go, the fans will appreciate if you're giving a thousand percent effort. And I pride myself on like being that type of player. Like I, when I when I step on the court, I I like to. My dad used to tell me when I played fast basketball. I mean football. Like nobody should want it more than you. And like I I, st I played football all my life. Oh yeah, I I heard you <coughs> on some ECU podcast in October. Oh, I yeah, was listening man. to that, and you're like, I played football. Did that like how do you feel that helped you in your just in your career in general? My, it changed my game. Like I. I'm not scared to get physical. Yeah, <laughs> I can say that. Sure, like yeah. you, after a game, you'll see me. What you, what position you play? Um, receiver and Ooh. safety mainly. Yeah. yeah. So I love defense more because I just I love I've always loved hitting people. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, after a long day, you can really like you know you so get you in trouble at from school. Math you, class. you know, you get in trouble with your parents, whatever. You can the anger from math class. You can just That'll tee help off. You in Euroball, bro. Too. You can tee off on your teammates yeah. for like an hour and a half. It's amazing. <laughs> I love football to this to this day. Yeah, but um, but not like. The the uh, the mentality of football players, safeties especially, like you know, receivers too. Like nobody can want the ball more than you. Nobody exactly. nobody can play harder than you. Um, football has helped my rebounding for sure, offensively, Definitely. offensive rebounding especially. Positioning. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. The little things when the ball in the air, when the ball's in the air, is yours. That's exactly. a receiver's mentality. That's my mentality on the court. But you know, I put everything into it. So like. Nobody works harder than me. Nobody plays harder than me on the court. And fans respect that. To get back to your your question, like fans respect a player that, that gives a thousand percent. So even if you mess up or have a bad game, most fans will respect the effort. Now I've heard of situations where where, you know, 
you'll have the fans really letting into a guy or leaning into a guy who messed up or played poorly. But thankfully, I haven't experienced that. Thankfully. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. These fans are insane. Like even where we were at, <clears throat> what did we go to? Went to like well, it was Tel Aviv versus Hapoel, right? So the court's empty. Yeah. Everyone leaves. Hapoel wins, mm-hmm. and we're just st- sticking around after the game. And the whole entire world. they're up in the corner oh and yeah. they're just shouting. There's like one of the players left drum, on the court. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Like, yeah. Oh, every game, every game. <laughs> I, I've I've just grown so accustomed to those drums. I drown them out now. <laughs> But, no, I have so many stories, man. Just from the season and a half I've been here, like, I can go on and on. There's fanatical, man. Like, they they go hard for their teams. I respect it, man, but... They some some of them you know get carried away. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it just is what it is. I know I won't name any names, but I've heard of fans like waiting on coaches after the game, wow. like surrounding their cars. Nah, you know, it's just good. when they want them out of town. When they, you know, it's just it's the nature of passion, it, I guess. passion. Yeah, it's like it, it border it borders line like it borderlines on being a religion to some of these fans, and you know. It's cool, man. I, I love I love the energy behind that. It, I feed off of it for sure. You got like, it, yeah. I, it's to the point where I almost prefer away games. Really? Oh wow. Yeah, just Brings because energy. the energy, man, is like being the underdog on the road with just your guys. Like you're the only ones in it. You're in it together with your team. Like it's it's, it's I I like I like competing from that perspective. That dog. It's yeah, cool man. too. These fans are so like fanatic about it, but the league is so good now mm-hmm. like i noticed this year specifically like five years ago so much better this now. league has some really good players Man. in it. and I, i've tried to tell people like it's not the the winter league from 10 years ago no maybe, no way because i have a theory on it because i, I think about this Let's stuff, this stuff a lot. <laughs> Let's go. i mean it's simple i think post-covid like you know a lot of countries a lot of um, countries have been hit hard by COVID financially. And a lot of the clubs that were, um, a lot of clubs in Europe that were able to pay a certain amount of money, they no longer have it. Exactly. And I saw it happen in real time. Like, not to the throw like salaries out there too much, but certain Champions League, Euro Cup teams that were consistently offering like maybe two to 300,000. Wow. Post COVID, that's like 80 grand. Wow. And it's happened all over Europe. And I think Israel is one of the places that has been able to, because they're so passionate, because they have the support from management and and boosters and whatever, you know, whoever supports the, the team financially, they've been able to keep the level of pay to where it pretty much has been over the years and other countries have not. So what you're doing is you're getting a higher quality of basketball because the salaries have maintained and because that Israel is a great place to live. So you get hurts to leave, man. Man, you're, you're getting you're getting high level high level prospects. You're getting high level pros that want to to make the money and and have a good way of life, good living, and in a comfortable, beautiful place. So I think it's going to keep going up, partly because Hope of so, that man. reason. You know, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Do you, do you feel it public here? Like you know, when you're out. I don't know, in Herzliya or Tel Aviv, you're getting recognized a lot by the fans here? Yeah, man. Uh, Herzliya, you know, it's it's a smaller team. Yeah, and, for uh, sure. Ma- the, most of the fan base are little kids. Yeah. But um, it was funny. These little kids go crazy. They go crazy. <laughs> they go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I love it. But no, like from what I've heard, I wasn't really familiar with this team. But in past years, you know, they're struggling to stay in first division, like yeah, up and down a couple were. years. Um, and last year for us to have the season we had to win the cup and see like 
in menorah we had like a good section of menorah just all yeah. her Salia fans man in the thousands and i'm like wow, wow that's like seems like a big difference from where they were maybe four for sure it four was. years ago so and now you guys are getting a new arena yeah man yeah that's it's, gonna, it's gonna be a while i think but yeah. i mean it's, yeah. well you were, you were saying how like this team is about the same besides for chief and <laughs> that one other player that like you guys pretty much brought back the same team do you yeah. see yourself staying with this team for the next like however many years yeah man i mean i have a contract for two, i signed a two-year deal last year so definitely the immediate future that's the plan man i'm i'm invested in it and like i said when you know i bounced around a lot right um throughout my career so found a place that feels like home that there i'm comfortable go. with and yeah like i love my teammates it's the closest group i had last year and we brought everybody back wow so and that translated to a lot of wins last year i don't think people realize it but we were so close that like in tough games we we just figured it out last year and right. you know it really our cohesiveness off the court translated to wins on the court does yeah. that do you guys like talk about it before you make your decisions like would you like yeah. talk about one of, like with the, one of the other players like oh let's go to Herzliya again like yeah no we we definitely kind of mapped it out just open communication we're so close so like everything is on the table as far as right. when we're having conversations what our plans are for next year the year after so everyone was on the same page everyone knew what the other guys yeah, y'all just want to chip i mean why yeah, would they bring we, you back we all knew what what the other's plans were and so it was definitely um definitely a chat. lot of communication yeah. Yeah, we have a group chat and <laughs> everyone was in the loop and i, I like that you know I, we kind of planned these things and made decisions based off each other and uh you know unfortunately the injury the injury bug hit us a little bit this year you know, God willing, it gets off of us and we, we stay healthy. I, I like I like our chances, man. We've proven that we can beat anyone in the league. So we'll see what happens. Sure. Yeah. All right. I wanted to, again, a little transition. Just wanted to ask you this in general. Obviously, watch mm -hmm. you play. I mean, I love your your your, your play style. Mm -hmm. So who is somebody, you know, growing up, whether it was your college days <coughs> or just coming here, that you really modeled your game after, looked up to, insp like, inspirations, you know? Someone you might reflect on. Yeah. Um... I can tell you it's crazy because I there's no one that I really I like patent my game after. You know, I kinda I was a late bloomer, so I didn't even know basketball was an option. Well as you far as college he was goes. telling me on our way here that he grew six inches from junior to senior year. Oh jeez. Bro like, that changes you from safety to power forward. And <laughs> real quick and like just imagine like being sixteen years old, I was like maybe five eleven at the time, one hundred and thirty five mm -hmm. pounds. I was not a prospect, yeah, you know, like, <laughs> nope, <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. So my my uh, focus at that point was just trying to start on JV as a right. tenth grader, as a sophomore. Wow. You know what I mean? Just trying to get minutes on JV. So I was never thinking like, oh, I'm gonna go D one and I'm gonna do all this and hopefully I could play out like it was none of that it was just like man I hope I can get some minutes in the game as a sophomore on JV so like step by step I just really I fell in love with the work like the challenge of basketball is what made me commit to it football came easy and it wasn't as much as a challenge I think that's why I gravitated towards basketball and just I wanted to succeed at it that next year my junior year thankfully I grew a few more inches got to like six foot and a half right um Really, got some I, minutes on JV. Yeah, I mean, I I made varsity as a junior, thankfully. There you go. And, uh, you know, I had a good year that year, and uh, so seventeen points a game as a junior, but still, like, I wasn't a I was like a six foot 
small forward. I'm so curious to know what the coach said when you came back senior year. Bro, like the fun, the funniest thing <laughs> I tell you. What did you with Maurice? I tell you a good story. <laughs> like I went to the school called St. Thomas as a sophomore, and uh, like I said, I was like five eleven maybe, and like even all my friends, everything like uh, I loved it there, but. I, you know, I wanted to play, and the coach told me, like, he knew my dad was, my dad's about 6'10". Oh, wow. So you can imagine, like, 5'11". I'm like, I'm going to grow, I promise. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> but my sister was, like, 6'1 at the time. She's three years younger than me, so that was oh, embarrassing. Wow. Top-notch volleyball <laughs> player. I was like, bro, I'm looking up to my little sister at this point. I started getting worried. But, like, the co we, we had a meeting with the coach at St. Thomas, and he was like, we asked him, like, what are my prospects on varsity next year? He's like, you'll probably be the ninth or tenth guy. Ooh. So his name is Chief. I, I appreciate his honesty, Coach Chief. Like, I really appreciate his honesty because, you know, a lot of coaches would have sold you a dream For at that sure, point. Yeah. Like, maybe this guy might really grow. Like, maybe I should keep him tucked here. But now he was like, yeah, ninth or tenth. So I transferred. And the, the funny part is, like, I came back to St. Thomas for a football game literally a year and a half after and I was like six, six and a half. Oh my God. <laughs> so you can imagine people haven't seen me in a year and a half. Last time they saw me, I was 5'11. Now That's I'm crazy. almost six, seven. They were like, they were losing their minds. <laughs> they, were, they were losing their minds. I didn't realize how drastic it was until that moment. I was like, man, yeah, I guess I have. That's crazy. I'm looking down on people that I was looking up to. It's super strange. That's, wow. That is but crazy. Yeah, man. It's like, uh, so to answer your question, um, I wasn't really. Maybe I should have been, but I was just trying to figure out how to get on the court, like what I had to do. So I was, my game was being molded just by trial and error, kind of. So I, there wasn't really one person like, I'm going to play exactly like him because I never really had the freedom to open up my game like that. I was just, I was just trying to get on the court. So by the time I did work my way into that position, I had formed my game in the in a way that I kind of just um, winged it, <laughs> you know, like whatever, like. Seems to like yeah, it worked out. Yeah, I figured it out on my <laughs> own. So like, I have a very unorthodox game now, you know, and and it's it's helped me, it's hurt me, whatever. But the players that I I loved watching was Kobe, obviously, from, from day one. Like that's I feel like he sparked my my interest in basketball the most. Lost so many but, people on that's man, the case. Man, like just he's our Jordan for our generation. Hundred percent, sure. a thousand percent. That's I don't even think that's debatable. Um, another guy is Penny Hardaway. Yeah. You know, oh, wow. Just, you know, a, a big guy that could do it all. You know, like 6'8", 6'9", can handle it, pass it better than anyone, Great defend, player. block shots, you name it. Like, I really I really love the way he played. Unfortunately, injuries derailed his his potential, right. I yeah. think. But, but that's what man. goes to, like, what you were saying. He was, like, an all-around player. Oh, man. Yeah, so I feel like he, him and Kobe, for sure, he – I just – for whatever reason, I just like the idea of a taller guy being able to put it on the floor. Right. And, like, so I guess he – I'd still do that. So I guess he had probably the most influence, probably Penny Hardaway. But can't pass it like him. Can't, yeah. uh, can't facilitate that that <laughs> vision, man. That's a, I think that's well, a Well, not gift. many people can. No, that's a gift, man. No? That's God Penny giving. Hardaway's a coach now? Yeah, with Memphis. Memphis, yeah. Memphis. yeah he, he's doing he got, great work uh, out there, too. He got a lot of good prospects. Yeah, and then he got Bates, who just left. Right, right. And then you see how he did last night? Yeah, man. He scored like 30 points in a row he's for Eastern Michigan. He's been killing. It's crazy. He's going to be he's gonna be a top pick next year. Yeah, man. And a lot of people counting him out just off one year. Uh -huh. like, man. Some bad news came out about him, but like yeah. he's baller. When he got cleared of that, I knew he'd be fine. Yeah. I knew the coach at Eastern is there, Michigan would let him go. Is there mm -hmm. someone now who's playing in the NBA or maybe college even that you, you really like? He catches your eye? Um, let me think about it. 
other than the obvious, you know. Webanyama. <laughs> I'm not like I'm not as tapped in with the younger guys as I should be. You well, know, even I, in the NBA, throughout yeah. the whole. I mean, even KD, the of course. KD, you know, KD, any, anyone who loves basketball. I was hoping for an MVP for KD. This injury really sucks. Yeah. KD bad time, is so tough, though. Oh my Bro, god. Any anybody that loves basketball can appreciate what uh -huh. he does. Yeah, like, he's. What he is he? Get, he's a seven footer. He, basically, he's seven basically. feet. He, and he like, under, he's, he's dribbling the ball better than like. Oh, real? He's, he's understated like his height, like, his whole career, but he's a seven foot shooting guard. Yeah, that's good. with <laughs> a crazy handle, unlimited range. Yeah, I think he the way he's adjusted his game, like you see what he's doing with the mid range. He just calmly gets to his spots whenever he wants, gets any shot he wants whenever he wants. He doesn't see you. No, he does not see. No, you. He, he he literally gets wherever he wants on the court at any time, and like to be able to do that at that height. With that level of skill is like incredible. It's so tough. It's crazy, bro. So what I saw, I think they can I don't know, it was news this week. So you know how they've been doing the All Star games? Did you hear right. about this? So they you know they did that whole stupid thing where they pick the teams on they have like a whole show. Yeah. They went yeah, on NBA yeah. TNT. It was it was cute, right? It was getting old. So this KD's year KD's a captain, no? It's either gonna be K D or Giannis. I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's it's close. But this year, they're drafting the teams live an hour before <laughs> tip off at the no All Star way. game, Seriously? which is That's sick. Crazy. I kind of like that. It's so cool. <laughs> it's kind of like like, a, like playground. Like yeah. and all the players are gonna be standing there, and then there's gonna be one it's, guy who's left. It's gonna like, suck, no it's gonna suck for that guy. For sure. <laughs> like, dude, I mean, you make it an All Star pick. game, you can't complain. Yeah, All Star last pick. That's not a bad deal. But like, uh, that's pretty cool. Is there one guy you guys would say it's like? He's got to be an all-star this year after everything that he's been through. Like someone that comes to mind for me is CJ McCollum. Like, yeah, he's, uh, he's tough. But how are you going to put him in the all-star game when you got Steph in there, you got Luca in there? Who are the other are guards? Starters. I'm saying that's a tough conference. Darren Fox, tough like, conference. We're going to put McCollum over Fox right now. He was playing so well. It's so hard. Like you get three or four guards, but it's so deep. There's so many good players in that's West crazy. and East this year. Yeah. Guys who should be all-stars. The NBA is obviously bro, like yeah. so deep. As much it's as hard. It's hard. Yeah. Heavy. Guard yeah. heavy, man. There's so many great guards in the league right now. This is a tough choice. Like, how do you narrow it yeah. down for real? I don't know. Like, I like that choice, CJ McCollum, but, like, it's it's tough. It is super it's tough, <laughs> man. It's so it's tough. Very tough. All right. We were about to hit an hour. Mm -hmm. This was an amazing interview. Yeah. This is great. Thank, Thank you. you so much for coming in. Nah, man, I had a great time, man. I love what you guys are doing. Thank like, you. Yeah, we're hoping. If ever you want to have me back, just let me know. If you we want to get one of my teammates to come on, I Absolutely got you. Absolutely love man. to. Nah, awesome. You guys are great, man. All Thank right. You. We're going to wrap Appreciate it up now. You. Thank you again. No, it, was, no it was a great time. All right, man. The Baseline. Stories from the courts with Jonathan Rears and Mayor Cohen. All our shows and podcasts available online on our website and on all podcast platforms. Search Audioversity. Cohen.